Our scripture reading is found in Jeremiah 29 this morning. If you remember in Jeremiah, the word of God is called the fire that consumes. And Jeremiah is full of tears. God keeps our tears in his bottle, as Psalmist says. His tears were for his nation, calling them to repent. Jeremiah 29. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers, had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Let's pray. Father, as we consider this text before us, we thank you for your word. We thank you for 
prophecy and your your prophet Jeremiah who so faithfully proclaimed your truth. We pray that these words would bless us this morning and cause us to consider and to be thoughtful about what you have for us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, to send snail mail these days is quite an investment. It's a dollar seven. Who would have thought it years ago? A dollar seven to send an envelope. You younger people tend not to send mail the old fashioned way, the way that most of human history sent mail, uh, but it still does exist, lovingly called snail mail. There was a man in Nova Scotia who lived in a very remote location in the province, and he received a piece of snail mail addressed to the hick in the woods. And the address said this, one tree past the squirrel's hole, three runs past the deer lick, and one leap over the felled oak tree. And that was it. He opened it. It was a Christmas card from family in Florida. And I would say that Canada Post earned their dollar seven on that one. Jeremiah is sending snail mail here. Verse 1 and 2, these are the words of the letter, you see, the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent. So he is sending this letter from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exile, to the priests, the prophets, all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And of course, that exile happened in a number of waves of different periods over the course of, a, of approximately uh, 10 to 15 years. We are wonderfully anchored in history here. Uh, verse 2, this was after King Jeconiah and the Queen Mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, uh, the letter was sent, verse 3, we even have the one who carried the letter, postage paid, <laughs> the hand of Elash, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah. So these two fellows are the male carriers who take the letter. It's hand-delivered to the surviving elders, there is a lot of discussion around what they mean in verse 1 by surviving elders because it could be that the Jews that were taken to Babylon, some of the elders were constantly rebelling still against Babylon and their um, government and being over them. And so they, some of them were losing their lives. Uh, many feel that's what is, in, is meant here. Um, their opposition to Babylonian rule. Verse 4 tells us who's the letter. It is, thus says the Lord, that's Yahweh, of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. So Nebuchadnezzar 
ultimately it's God who has sent them into exile as a judgment for they have long ago abandoned him, long ago served other gods and forsaken him. The Lord of hosts is literally the Lord of armies. He's the God of Israel. You know, this is the first letter recorded in the Bible here in Jeremiah 29. And what this letter does, first of all, it, God tells them how to live in Babylon. How do you live in Babylon? Verse 5, look there. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. In other words, he's saying, settle down in Babylon. Settle down there. Building houses takes time. Planting gardens, if you're going to eat the crop, it takes time. And beyond that, then, he says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that you may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. So have families. Not just settle down with the material things like houses and food, but also have families, your relationships. Let them prosper. Marriage, lots of babies, increase. And then we're taken, of course, from the very personal to the corporate, the whole community now. He says in verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city. That word welfare in the Hebrew is shalom. You're familiar with the word shalom used in many different ways. It's the peace. Seek, seek its wealth. Seek its peace, its prosperity, its success. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. So pray for it. Seek its welfare, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Wow. You want the place that you live in to thrive, to grow, to be blessed. Because you live there too. And he's saying to the Jews, you'll be blessed if the place you live in is blessed, so pray for it. Invest in it. Get involved in it. Seek its peace and pray for it. Don't oppose them. He's saying, don't oppose them. Don't oppose Babylon. Don't stir up a revolt against Babylon. Don't despair. Work. Work in it to see it thrive and prosper. The Bible says you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. The Bible says by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. The Bible says, as you know, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Peter would say this, I urge you to Christians because he picks up on this sojourning or this being exiled in a land to apply it to Christians. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, that is, lead moral lives 
which war against your soul, these immoralities, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that they may speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Honorable. Have a good reputation in the community for business, for relationships, for truth-telling, for humility, and good deeds for the community. There is an ancient second century document called the Epistle to Diognetus. Lots of good things in there. And just a, two sentences here from it I'm going to read. Because he says of Christians, he says they live in barbarian cities. <laughs> That's the Gentile cities. According as a lot of each of them determined. He says they dwell in their own countries but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country and every land with their birth is a land of strangers. So he says we're part of the community, but even in the community, we're still exiles. We're going somewhere else to glory. We're God's people. You know, we're called to maintain a faithful presence in an often hostile world. Jesus would say that we are salt and light. The salt is the preserving aspect. Just by you being a growing Christian who loves godliness, morality, who, who, who is honest, who, who, who won't lie, who who won't give themselves to the passions of the flesh, who won't be drunk on Friday nights and Saturday nights. Just because you're living a Christian life, you are having a preserving effect on the community in which God's put you. Even your own street, you are having a preserving effect in mysterious ways. And then he says, you are light as well. And the light is, is that declaration of why we live this way. It's, it's the declaration of Jesus Christ who died for our sins, who was dead, buried, and rose again, and is our Lord and our Savior who's coming again. We preserve the community and we tell of Jesus and we live out our lives in obedience to the government, not in rebellion or despair, wherever we can before a watching world because God sent us here, God put us together, God called us by his son, God expects of us to, to make a difference because we are here. Many of the parables of Christ tells of that difference that we ought to have. And we are to be a positive influence. We're to be active in that way. As you come in, you see the neighbor link collection. I think that's a wonderful thing. 
you know, the, you know, the good shepherd, some people volunteer there, the young kids hockey uh, ministry that we have here. Some of you coach teams or are involved in the Pregnancy Life Center. You know, there's 19 different parachurch organizations in Lambton County that you can get involved in as volunteers too. Good works and praying. Now for the Jews, they were sent into exile as a judgment and they're not going to get to Babylon and turn around and come back to Jerusalem. It's a bit of a trip, of course, by foot. They're not gonna get all the way up there and then turn around. That's vital information for them. And some of their prophets, some of their religious leaders have been filling their heads with nonsense, continuing to do that. Look at verse nine or verse eight. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they dream. It's a lie. They prophesied to you in my name, but I did not send them. They're using, using language of God, God language, but God never put it in their mouth. God never sent them. It's like somebody using Christian language, but they're not a Christian. What were they doing? What were they saying? Turn back to chapter 27. Verse 9, he says, So do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your fortune tellers, your sorcerers, who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. It's a lie that they are prophesying to you, with the result being you'll be removed far from your land. You see, they're, they're saying things that aren't true. Getting some of them killed, most likely. Remember the surviving elders. Look at chapter 28. In verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back. This is what one of the false prophets is saying. He names him in verse 1. He names names. I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord house. And I will bring back, and he goes on and says, all the exiles are going to be brought back within two years. Look at verse 11. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, thus says the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within two years. But... Jeremiah, the prophet, went his way. So they were saying two years, two years maximum. You don't plant a garden if you're going to be there for six months, okay? Because that's, it takes six months to get up there, six months to get back. You're not going to build a house with that little bit of time. You're not going to put up a greenhouse, okay? And, 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 and stay off the roof, of course, if you do that. Uh, you might go to Jesus quicker than you realize. Uh, 
what he's saying is, Jeremiah, what God is saying through his prophet is, you know, really give up your self-pity and your self-absorption and your opposition and put your hand to the plow. Live and give. Seek and pray. They are to expect to be in exile a long time. And so, a letter from God tells them how to live in Babylon. But it also tells them how long they're going to live in Babylon. Look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Seventy years. Now, this is an amazing prophecy. It's incredible. And, and the numbers seven and 70 are very uh, important in the Old Testament, are very important to Jewish history. The Jews taught in, in, in their Torah that 70 nations of the world, that means all of them. There were 70 grandsons of Noah, 70 nations. Moses would call, be told by God to call out 70 elders to help rule uh, the people in the tent of meeting. And, and that's where the Sanhedrin that would come from, the 70 leaders or elders that we would see in the New Testament, that Jesus would encounter some of them. Uh, John chapter 3. That's where it comes from. And so he says 70 years, and there is this verse in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, that suggests that the number 70 was chosen by God because that's the number of Sabbath years that the Jews failed to keep. Um, it, it, it hadn't, there was 70 times it hadn't enjoyed its Sabbath years. And so uh, look at Jeremiah 25. Turn over there. This prophecy is mentioned a few times. Verse 11, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity declares the Lord. And he talks about bringing the people back to the land. It's these prophecies here in Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29. It's this letter that Daniel would find himself reading. And in Daniel chapter 9, this is what Daniel says. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 
17 years. So he's reading this, and it causes him wow, to pray, pray for the community, pray for his people, uh, because the 70 was almost up. The point here in Jeremiah 29 is that it wasn't going to be a short time. That Babylon had a role to fulfill on the world stage. God had called it. And one day Babylon would seek to exist. Just like Canada, the Lord tarries will seek, cease to exist at some point. Same with the United States. We'll see it's, it, it'll be something completely different at some point in history. We tend to think everything will remain the same. But no, Babylon, world empire, would fall to the media Persians eventually. A time was given for Babylon, though, because God was using them on the world stage. And time would be given to Israel to reflect on its sins and how it had worshipped the idols of the communities around them and how its heart has so far from the Lord. And time would be given for them to return to the Lord and that God would not forget them. There was hope. So this letter here not only tells them how to live in Babylon and how long they're going to live in Babylon, but it tells them while they're in Babylon to hope in God. Look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, that is your shalom, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. He says in verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Wow. He's saying, I, 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 he's, he's the sovereign Lord. He sent them there. He's bringing them back. And I know I will fulfill. I will visit you. I will hear you. I haven't forgotten you is what he's saying. In the midst of this time that has been ordained, I know my purpose for you. It's a hopeful future. He says, it's, it's something wonderful is coming. He set a limit to the duration of their exile. Verse 13 is uh, one of those verses of, uh, that many people memorize and probably one of the clear uh, verses of the gospel in the Old Testament. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations where I have driven you. So search, seek, seek me out, Israel, in the land of your exile. Draw close to me and with all your heart. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. You know, there's nothing like calamity and catastrophe to put us in one of two camps. 
either the camp of despair, the camp of disappointment, the camp of fear, or to put us in a camp of thoughtfulness, of faith, to put us in a place where we're willing to receive the tender ministry of the Holy Spirit to us, to receive his truth and his promises. There's something like calamity and catastrophe that, that humbles us and puts us in a place of humility where we can take in and receive. And perhaps this morning you're here and you never think much of God during the week. And some of you might be here this morning by chance, you think, by duty, perhaps. Some might be here because of curiosity. God has thoughts of peace toward you. When you sin, you're, you're rebelling against him and at war with God. But he has thoughts of peace towards you. And he sent his son to affect that peace. We've been justified by faith through him. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want peace with God? You need to be a Christ follower. You need to be a Christian. You might be a careless sinner this morning. But you are the object of his special attention because you're here. Open your mind and your heart. And just like he said to the, to the Jews in exile here. Seek me and find me. He says in the book of Acts, Paul, I'm not far from any of you. Open your heart and your mind. He offers you a future. He offers you hope. He offers you life beyond this life. He offers you eternal life. He offers you forgiveness of sin. He offers you salvation from the consequences of your sin. He offers you promises and a blessing for your future. I mean, he just gives and gives and gives. Call out to him in prayer, humbly, with humility, seek him, acknowledging your own sinfulness and your need for a Savior who is the one that the Father sent into the world, his Son, Jesus Christ. You know, he's coming again, <laughs> and we wait for his time. For the return of our Savior, I'm sort of wondering if I might do a series uh, on the end times from mid-May through to the end of June. Uh, we're waiting for the return of our Savior and, and his coming kingdom. I ordered, I ordered two apple trees for my backyard. They're coming, they're about like this big. It's gonna take uh, many years to produce an apple. I can see that uh, if it survives. 
maybe I'll get to eat one of these apples before I die or before I'm raptured. Maybe my grandchildren only will get to taste one or maybe some new owner of our house. I'm ready to go to the Lord. My bags are packed, so to speak. I am ready, but waiting, like you. Ready, but waiting. And that waiting means in our own, in our own exile here in this world. It means we are, we are living. We are living life, abundant life. We are enjoying our relationships. We are building our houses and our gardens. We are investing in our community in meaningful ways. Ready but waiting. And that waiting means living, making a difference in the lives of others. We desire Lampley County to thrive because we're here, because you're here to thrive. You know, I'm pretty sure I would not be building or, or I would not be planting an apple tree if I knew for sure this year was the year the Lord was coming back or next year. If I knew that for sure, I know, it's, I believe it can't be too long. And we live with that reality and that tension as we wait and we're ready together. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. He's patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Let's watch and wait for our Savior and King together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this letter in the midst of the book of Jeremiah. It speaks to us as Christians, uh, in a, encourages us. In the land you have put us, we are feeling that we are foreigners. We are different. We are sojourners and exiles, but uh, we will still seek to make a difference for your, your glory, for your truth. We want to see other souls come to know Jesus Christ. We want to multiply and, and grow and, and thrive here as the Church of Christ. We'll need your help for that. May we be humble and open and busy in our lives, ready and waiting, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.